Hello and welcome to episode three of Sound Out Wave, the first podcast to reach planet Earth from Cybertron. I'm Nell and I'm great at Transformers. And I'm Greg and I suck at Transformers. And this week we'll be discussing Robots in Disguise issues one and two. Both episodes so far have started like coming back into it with me saying, "Well, we can get back whenever, whenever like we can jump into it." Which is stupid. So, uh, well, yeah. Do you, is it dumb because I'm not saying it? Just kidding. It, um, yes, that's, <laughs> that's the solve. So, robots in disguise issue one yeah. picks up where the death of. Oh wait, no, sorry. It no, you're right. Up the death where... of Optimus Prime ends. Right. Then... It goes from Death of Optimus Prime, more than meets the eye, issue one, and then... Right. Yes. Because, so in, in this issue, it, it has a pretty big thing, a big a big complication, which is that Bumblebee and supposedly everyone on this planet thinks that Rodimus and all those guys are full-blown dead. Yes. The, the last that anybody on Cybertron knows, the Lost Light blew up when it right. left. And so everybody on Cybertron is under the impression Rod and the entire crew is dead, which, you know, is huge to the Autobots who knew these guys. Right. I mean, that's that's hundreds of robots yes. that, are, that are gone to them. Um, and, and so they have like everything that happens in More Than Meets the Eye. They'll have no idea until presumably Absolutely. such a point that these things cross back over. Yes, which will happen later. Right. And that's not a spoiler, that's just... It's a it's a huge spoiler. And so if you're listening <laughs> to the podcast, too bad. Like, now you yep, just now you know. Transformers. Mm-hmm, I ruined it. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a very cool opening. The very first thing we see is that, like, Cybertron itself is forming these giant metal, like, vines to capture ships and stuff. Yes. Uh, so the planet itself seems to be revolting against this... Against either the presence of all life or life returning to it or who knows. And sure. I'm under the impression we don't know what caused this either. Correct. Cool. That's good. So, yes. So we just have, right, Cybertron kind of like, obviously, Cybertron is a planet that has some sort of life to it. Um, because even the war itself, they kept saying that it it killed Cybertron, essentially. Right. Um so now it is alive again, and like Bumblebee says, it's angry. Um, and so, yes, we have these these wilds outside of Iacon, where which is where everybody's stationed. But outside of that is, um, you know, these overgrowths, and um, we see Ironhide kind of venture out into it a little bit, but we don't get much information um, from him. And that happens later on um, in these two issues. But but yes, the very first thing we see in issue one is a ship trying to come in and getting caught on these metallic kind of vines. That is presumably some kind of manifestation of Cybertron attacking people on it. Uh, and then we get to a really cool two page spread of like a bunch of really cool looking robots. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like right up front, this slugapede guy is probably my favorite. Yeah. He looks great. Uh, is, is he a thing or is he just a dude they drew in this page? If he is a thing, I don't know. Okay. Um, he's great. If he is a thing and I don't know, then I am disappointed in myself because you're right. He looks fantastic. Um, there are some bots that I see, of course, in this two-page sp- two spread that I recognize immediately. We have Jazz here. We have Mirage. Um, we have Blue Streak. Um, over up flying, we have Skylinks. Right. He was the one it's... I was telling you before. He's he kind of creeps me out. I don't know what it is, but Skylinks Sky design kind of creeps me out. Well, it looks like just a regular like sort of dinosaur. Someone put a hang glider on. Yeah, that is definitely what he looks like there. <laughs> uh, that's interesting to me. I'm I'm really into a lot of these designs. Uh, there's a two headed guy down here. There's like a guy with a snake body. Yeah, there's, there's some cool stuff going on here. There's some kind of way down in the the bottom right corner. There's a almost R two D two looking kind yeah, of trash he's can box. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's like pill shaped and has little like noodly arms. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm into that idea. And, and then the, there's a guy next to him that looks like Boba Fett. Yeah, a little bit. That's true. I thought you were talking about the guy with like his arm around the trash can bot. No, that's that's obviously that's trash can bot's boyfriend. Yeah, I mean, clearly that just makes sense. Yeah. 
so yeah, we see a bunch of bots. Um, and we can, so it's showing us, I, obviously, Iacon is populated. There are plenty of robots milling around. Very few of them appear to be in disguise. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, so this I title's the title already lying yeah, to you. It's a bit of a misnomer. Kind of disappointed. I mean, Slugapede, maybe. Maybe he's a guy, and he's, like, in disguise as a Slugapede. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him right. the benefit of the doubt. Obviously, sure. this other guy's in disguise as a trash can. So. Right. I was going to say, either that trash can is disguised or somebody's hiding in the trash can. Right, right. It's probably just a regular dude, like, not even a robot. <laughs> just some guy. Humans in disguise. That's uh, my, my offshoot series. That, right. That's the spinoff. Yep. That's what our podcast should have been called. <laughs> yeah, that's a much better name. It's much more Googleable. All right, buddy. We're shutting it down. We're yep. going to reboot it as Welcome to the first Humans episode in Disguise. Of Humans in Disguise. <laughs> the first podcast to reach Cybertron from Earth. <laughs> that's a cute title. We should have done all of that. Oh, well. We're stuck with it now. Yeah, I suppose so. We, we done bought that domain name. <laughs> Uh, and then we get good old Metal Hawk being Metal Hawk. Yup. We, we get a guy flying in, and he is a, a non-affiliated life form. Mm-hmm. Um, and Metal Hawk is like, oh, Bumblebee's like, hey, welcome, what's up? And Metal Hawk's like, nope, sucks here, don't listen to him. <laughs> well, because the guy's already angry. He's right. like, what the hell happened? The planet tried to grab me while I was flying in. And Bumblebee's like, Bumblebee, this whole issue is very much... Un, like in the shadow of Optimus Prime, like he, in his mind, he is constantly thinking, you know, how how am I going to be as good as Optimus? Right. And, and that's just that's the wrong way to approach it, I would think. But that's, you know, well, that's all they have to go off of. That's all Bumblebee has to go off, really. I mean, we'll we'll dig into it when we get to like the meat of this issue. But it, the whole point really seems to be setting up the idea that like, Bumblebee has inherited what is essentially like a really broken sort of fascist regime. Yes. And there's a lot of tough decisions that clearly Optimus had to make while he was running all of this that maybe Bumblebee isn't prepared to handle. Like, and a lot of things that have been done in the absence of Optimus are also like really awful stuff. Like the idea of the ID chips on the Decepticons that Absolutely. can blow them up at any time. And yes. the fact that there's basically like apartheid against uh, everyone who's not an Autobot. Yeah, which is interesting, interestingly enough, what, what stemmed the entire war in the first place were those exact kind of same ideas. Um, yeah, it's, it, they, so, I mean, and so immediately it gets into a guy like welding Cybertron for Cybertronians on the side of a wall here. And we get these Decepticon quote unquote peacekeepers who are yeah. beating the shit out of him. Uh, right. And I mean, it, it, it does a very elegant job of like in very few pages establishing Okay, we have a population that is unsatisfied with the ruler. We have a military slash police force that is actively against the citizenry. And we have these leaders who are either aggressive or out of touch or dealing with stuff way in over their heads. Yes. And it's, I mean, like, this feels like a Middle Eastern political drama. It's, it's, there's a lot going on here in just a couple pages. Absolutely. Yeah, there's it's it's all yeah, it's very heavy. It's very you like because everything that Rodimus and his crew kind of left from, I think that is where we get this the very different feelings from More Than Meets the Eye gets to be this, you know, let's go out and strike off on a new adventure and then Yeah, it's it's robots sort of in like disguises. Space Cowboy and then yeah, this is you know This is dealing with the stuff that Rodimus kind of I don't want to say he ran from it, like but he kind of did. Um, his intent is to bring back somebody who's going to fix it all. But right, I mean, for the people who don't some... think that that's going to happen, it's like, no, let's just—he's an idiot. Let's solve it. Especially now that they think he's dead. So, well, yeah, I mean, Rodimus, Rodimus thinks that there's some magic Deus Ex out in space that's going to fix all these problems, and that's right. I mean, even if it's true, a very naive thing to pursue. Absolutely, whereas, like. This comic and B stuck back on Cybertron is like, 
okay, I have to deal with the stuff at hand. I can't yes. go off into space looking for some crazy answer because if I do, <laughs> everything here will explode into chaos and war again. Yes. So they're uh, definitely doing what they think is best, like what they feel right. is best. Um, yes, Prowl has the um, Decepticons working for him. We see, yes, because we see uh, Horrible and um, Needle Nose beating up the guy who was doing the um the graffiti his name is Tappet, but we learn that later right. um and uh, luckily prowl steps in like prowl sees them handling their peacekeeping duties um a little forcefully and reminds them that you know hey i can blow up your head at any point so uh, yeah obviously right off the bat just huge problems all over well, the place and prowl even like I mean, he he's in charge of the Decepticons and doesn't approve of how aggressive they're being. But at the same time, he definitely, like, is not merciful toward the citizenry either. Like, yes. He yes. immediately tells Blur to be like, take this guy into custody. We're going to crack down on him. Like, he's, exactly. he's maybe less of a, I don't want to say corrupt what the Decepticons are, but, like, they're aggressive and their immediate resort is toward violence. Yes. Uh, and he is not a friendly guy, but he's not beating the shit out of the guy. Right. Uh, um, he, he's, he definitely accuses him of disturbing the peace just for, like, welding a message on a wall. Yes, absolutely. And, and really, that's what we – the idea we get very quickly, I think, in these first couple pages is that – Prowl especially is – he's not looking out – well <laughs> – I don't, it's hard to say he's not looking out for anybody, but he's he's looking out for himself and the the rest of the Autobot command. Like that's well, yeah, it, his it, concern. It, it feels like he wants to maintain order at any cost, right? As long as they are the ones creating the order, right? He does he does not want anyone sort of overthrowing this. Yes, I mean, calling it a regime is maybe unmerciful, but like it, it's it's not a, a democracy. Absolutely. Uh, so then we get some some pages of Ratbat, who is a senator. Yes. I I mean I just I like the idea <laughs> that this guy who's like I mean it's kind of goofy, right? He's Ratbat. Oh, it's absolutely goofy. Well, and especially when you know, ever since the you know first generation, ever since the eighties, it's been like right, Ratbat's one of Soundwave's cassettes, and that was kind of it. See, I didn't and now know we that. have. Oh, sorry. Yes. So he was always just one of uh, Soundwave's cassettes and you didn't really think much, <laughs> much else of him. Uh, sure. Right. Um, well, there was, these, you know, these the other ones. Pages, and... I was thinking like, oh, guy just wants some respect. But we find out like he wants a lot more than that. Sure. Ratbat has some big plans because, um, yeah, we have Prowl bringing back Horrible and Needlenose. Um, Skywarp brings them in. Skywarp. For those of you who, well, I mean, I guess we haven't seen him yet, but you might not be, if you're familiar with any robots, you might be familiar with Starscream. He's very popular. Sure. Uh, Skywarp is the same model, I think. If 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 you're reading this and have just no clue who most of these people are, Skywarp and Starscream look similar for a reason. They were all part of the same um, people. Fans call them trines. I don't know if that has become a, ca a canon term, but... um. There were three Seekers, Starscream, Skywarp, and Thundercracker, and they all looked the same. They had different colors, but they they essentially functioned as a team, and that's why they all kind of looked the same. Um, but So we have Skywarp here, and he's bringing in Prowl with the detainees to Ratbat. Sure, and at the same time, Prowl's like, hey, I can blow any of you up at any moment. Right, like Prowl like, reminds oh. everybody... That's not nice. <laughs> and then as soon as Prowl is out of the room, he's like, fuck this. Absolutely, yes. Because uh, so... Brat Brat tries to remind Prowl, like, how dare you? Like, you already, like, you keep threatening us and you won't let us use any of our powers. And Rat Brat kind of tries to sound really important. And you get that idea it's because right. he was I... a senator. And so he's <laughs> trying to you know, sound bigger than he sure. really is right now. But he's making good points that like, yes. as far as what they've asked for, like they're complying. And if he has problems with that, then what is he supposed to expect with the way that the Decepticons get treated? Um, and to me, that's all very interesting and complex stuff that sort of gets undermined by 
the Decepticons immediately being like, okay, how do we take these guys out? Yes. Uh, moving on to the next page, we have uh, B sort of meeting this detainee who was uh, disturbing the peace. B kind of looks like a little chubby boy here. I'm kind of his look. He, he does. And it's funny because that's, well, I guess it's not funny. That's how he always kind of looked in Generation 1. Um, like from the start, yeah, Bumblebee was always kind of a little round-faced um, little character he was I mean, always really cute bumblebees are yeah, he's yeah. Super <laughs> i'm i'm used to like these transformers animated sort yes. of iterations of him newer where... bumblebee tends to be well especially in the movies we see him he he doesn't really have a mouth or anything right. um at least not that we see and then especially in like transformers prime it was that same kind of idea where i stand by he was still cute but it wasn't the same little round yellow Sure. Bug kind of cute that he was in the 80s. <laughs> I, he's he's just a roly-poly little boy. And, <laughs> and so he's it's it's him basically going around trying to recognize the problems that everyone's having here, which is that, like, hey, uh, a lot of shit going on is fucked. Uh, and yeah. he keeps pushing this idea that, like, hey, hundreds of our friends just died. Let's have a eulogy. Right. Bumblebee very much wants to have a memorial service for the Lost Light um, and everybody that they've lost. Um, Prowl, Prowl's very, like, Bumblebee is trying to, like you said, yeah, he's trying to figure out the best way he can handle these things um, and try to maintain order, but at the same time, listen to everybody. And I think that's very much him... Well, that's just Bumblebee, but also it's very much an Optimus Prime way of doing things. Like, Optimus liked being, um, you know, civil to everybody, civil as much as he could, um, whereas Prowl is very much just like Bumblebee, you know, rap bats up to something. He's, he's just trying pragmatic. to, yes, which is exactly what they call him, Prowl the Pragmatist, so <laughs> <laughs> you are 100% spot on with that. Just more um, evidence I should be writing all of this. Mm-hmm. So we get to Ironhide driving in, sort of uh, being oh, okay. attacked by Cybertron, uh, driving over a pit of lava and transforming in midair, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty great. And he breaks through um, Omega Supreme's wall. Sure. Uh, and Omega Supreme is this gigantic robot. So that's why he says, sorry about breaking your wall, Omega. And Omega Supreme is like, it's fine. I'll just grow a new one. Because he is... <laughs> Omega Supreme is transformed at this point. He is not in his robot form and Ironhide has busted through his wall. Um, but so, yes, yeah, so that's why you there's this disembodied voice saying it's fine. I'll just grow a new ro- wall because I it's actually a robot. Yes. Um, and yes, we have Ironhide was just out in the wilds. Wheeljack was on the radio with him. Wheeljack's pretty much was the best. So, um, and they're best friends in my mind. Uh, Wheeljack and Ironhide are. So it was extra cute to me that I was like, oh, good. That's who he's on the radio with. <laughs> Is his best house. friend Wheeljack? Yeah. Good, good chums with Wheeljack. <laughs> I know that I, I don't know that I've met Wheeljack yet, but I know that he's a cool guy just from what you've told me. Yeah, he's pretty great. So yeah, so this is our um our yeah, we're talking to Ironhide here and Wheeljack shows up and they're we can see we at least are inferring from this that Ironhide keeps trying to see how far out away from Icon that he can get. Um and he says when the sun goes down the static starts up, like, in his radio. So you get this idea that something weird is going on out on Cybertron, away from Iacon. It's it's not good for them. Yes. Uh, but so... that's why, yeah, Wheeljack is like, don't, yeah, you have to get back here. Like, you have to be back here before the sun sets. Cause... Right, it has a very sort of post-apocalyptic feel, especially with the ground, like, lifting up and trying to attack them. Yes, uh, and so then we get a page of Prowl looking at the sunset and monologuing, uh, except that he's talking to someone who is in the shadows. And in the shadows. don't know who that is. Yes. He's talking to somebody, some mysterious figure. It's it's probably Rodimus. <laughs> Secretly, it's Rodimus's evil twin. Probably. <laughs> so I, I, I tried to think of a pun, but I got a cold rod. There you go. That's uh, him. And then Hot Rod's the evil yelling. twin, sure. Cold Rod. <laughs> and then we get to a point that I was kind of wondering about. Metal Hawk says that uh, Bumblebee has adopted a Cybertronian alt mode. So the, let, let's let's talk about alt modes. Yeah, let's uh, talk about them. So I 
kind of have puzzled out through the movies and through this and through other stuff that they can change their alt modes based on like the technology around them. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. I would absolutely say, at least in most continuities, that yes, that is the case. Because even in things like Beast Wars, if anybody's familiar with that, when the ships come online and start scanning, they scan like the animals around them. And that's why they become animals is because they didn't have cars or anything. So they became animals. Um, So here, they wouldn't have cars that we would have on Earth, which is why, yes, Bumblebee is now no longer a bug. Um, well, yeah, and they a lot of things have. I mean, Cybertron itself has a very sort of future sci-fi aesthetic, and yes. so the alt modes are going to kind of fit with that. And Bumblebee replies that Wheeljack outfitted most of us with new alt modes before Rodimus's ship blew up. Uh, yeah. Out of that last part, um, so are are alt modes something that needs to be created? Is it something that? This is actually something, as far as that line goes, I cannot tell you. Um, I can't say for certain. I would love to have actually, like, John Barber himself say whether or not, like, what he meant by that line. Um, Because Wheeljack is definitely, Wheeljack is their, um, like, mechanic, scientist kind of. engineer type guy. Absolutely. So, I don't know if he is then responsible for switching them or if they can do it themselves and he just gave them designs i'm not sure i actually don't know exactly what he means by that Hmm. i'm gonna be in san diego in a week and john barber will also be there if i get to talk to him i will ask him what he meant by that i expected you to say that you were gonna kick his ass (laughs) well that'll come if if his answer isn't what I want to hear, maybe that's what'll happen. I'm just saying, I've I've very clearly poked a hole in Transformers, and the whole thing is <laughs> it's about to collapse now. Yep, it's uh, all going to come crashing down because Greg found the. I'll, one. I'll be known as the man who killed Transformers. I'm going to be on the you, cover. Of you news killed things. it. Yep. Uh, so then we get uh, Metal Hawk telling Bumblebee that people think he's the one that blew up Rodimus. Yes. Yes. And. Who was it that B was talking to when the ship blew up? He was talking to Prowl. Okay, so Prowl is probably the one who actually blew up the ship, right? I mean, that's absolutely what it looks like. That sure. was, you know, it's... That, that that at least seemed to be suggested. Sure, yes. It was all very, very well-timed, the fact that Bumblebee said, he looks at Prowl and says, I thought you said you were going to come up with a way to stop them. And the next thing that happens is that the ship blows up as Prowl's just looking at Bumblebee and not responding. Um, and now we have Metalhawk being like, you know, that was all pretty... Uh, Incidental. Coinc- yeah, like, oh, Rodimus disagreed with you. And then he tried to leave and his ship blew up. A lot of people think that maybe that happened on purpose. And B accuses Metalhawk of being the one to tell people that that happened. Uh, yeah. And so on this next page, we get the Decepticons beating the shit out of a guy. And I just want to point out in the background there, we get another glimpse, a little trash can guy with the tentacle arms. <laughs> little trash can's back. Next to a guy little that TC. looks like IG-88 from Star he Wars. He totally does. Way into that guy. <laughs> Bring that guy to the forefront. Yeah. I just like all these unconventional Transformers designs. Yeah. That is, yeah, a really nice thing that we get with um, all the non-affiliated bots and sure. Andrew's art is... All these cool, cool-looking robots that we tend not to get in Transformers, just because obviously they have to transform into cars and sure. planes and weapons, and they I have also to have, like these yeah. guys up in the corner who are doing a weird lean-in, <laughs> like checking out the scene. Yeah, but they're at like a solid forty-five degree angle. <laughs> Uh, you are right so some other non-affiliated bot comes in and tries to break up the fight and they start beating the shit out of him and that's when b shows up and he's like all right you know what i'm done fucking around uh (laughs) if this continues i'm going to explode one of your heads and bull is like bullshit uh um, (laughs) and so b explodes his head except that he doesn't uh because as we find out um there's this guy up here who is the, is he the jet guy? Skywarp, yes. Yes, He Skywarp. is the one, which, yes, earlier in this issue, um, Ratbat makes a point to call Prowl out on the ID chips being like, and he specifically says, 
the gifts that Skywarp is blessed with. He, yeah, you aren't letting something. him use them. And Skywarp's gift is being able to warp, obviously. So he, that's what he's doing right there. So we see at the end of this episode, ep- episode issue, <laughs> um, yes, Bumblebee, quote unquote, detonates um, Horrible's head. And we see Skywarp, in fact, can warp, which everybody is, has been saying oh no he can't because all of yes so right. essentially so this is their the revealing the chips are not are not working in the hands of the autobots yes yes absolutely uh and and that line you mentioned that skywarp can't use the abilities fate saw fit to bless him with yes what is i'm i'm very curious about how the autobots how how these robots get made uh what fates give these people abilities what fates decide are they born are they constructed i mean again it goes back to i guess i'll figure it out but yeah well and you'll you won't necessarily have to figure it out it'll be explained at least somewhat at least to a point i i hope where you will be satisfied with um with what explanations are given for how cybertronians are created i hope so too (laughs) (laughs) but so in in closing the the theme of that issue and what seems to be the theme of robots in disguise so far is that bumblebee has inherited a government that is complicated and despotic and upsetting and flawed in a lot of ways and people are very discontent and he wants to run it the way optimus ran it because he sees Optimus as this like perfect leader, but for sure, I may he's trying to make the hard decisions that Optimus would have had to make, but not adapting too well. Right, uh, so um, things aren't going good. To me, I feel like you could replace all these robots with humans, and it would be some sort of like political thriller starring George Clooney and Robert uh, Downey Jr. I yeah, I could see that happening. And I think that that's really why at least to me these um series are really really brilliant and they touch on some really important things that for years I was frustrated that Transformers wasn't addressing. Um you know, cuz it's very easy especially in the cartoons that are of course meant primarily for children um to paint the good guy, the Autobots is good and the Decepticons is bad. And it's just that simple. Um, and that there's, it, it seems to be that like, maybe I'm wrong on this, but it seems like this is the first time that we're sort of dealing with the idea of unaffiliated bots, that there are people who are not Autobots or Decepticons and that they may constitute the vast majority of the people on this planet. Yes. Like the idea has come up before and we have seen, um, Especially in other IDW continuities specifically, or not, not continuity, sorry, in other IDW, um, series. Yeah, like storylines and whatnot. Uh, we have seen other Cybertronians who weren't Autobot or Decepticon, but at this level, all of them having to deal with each other and what the war did and what it meant for each different group. Yes, this is, this is our introduction to that. And it's really something that, I was very excited to finally get to see. Um, and uh, maybe maybe the big question that it seems to be raising is, it, it seems like more than meets the eye has sort of come to the conclusion that like, okay, in a perfect world, we wouldn't need these affiliations. We're done with the affiliations and they still matter and everybody knows where everybody stood and where they stand now. But they seem to be pushing toward the idea that the affiliations were a flawed idea, whereas this is sort of dealing with whether the affiliations were necessary at all or whether they're something helpful in identifying how people come to terms when when things fall down. Right. Um, like, like, because even now we have, you're absolutely right, all these bots on Cybertron and the idea is that the war is over, but these everybody's still clinging to their affiliation or their unaffiliation um well and a big part of that is because the affiliations are being treated very differently right right like it's still like you can say the war is over but it doesn't really make a huge difference i mean it, it has obviously made some difference because we do have the fact that prowl can just go and interact with decepticons and you know what i mean um and we have decepticons out on the street and amongst non-affiliates and 
Autobots still trying to kind of uh, be in control, but um, but but that's all part of it. Is like, oh, we're not at war, but the Autobots are all still sticking together, and they are the ones. Yeah, I mean, they're the ones running yes. Cybertron right now, and they have, as far as they know, put bombs in the head of all the Decepticons. Right, which is, you know, fucked up. It's <laughs> not yeah. a good thing to do. Yeah, uh, no, I'm with yeah. So that that seems to be what this is all setting up. So moving on to issue two here. Um, yes. We we immediately open with like a recap of what happened, which is a head exploded, and yes. then like it follows Skywarp. Skywarp. Yeah, and he and he where goes he back warps. to the Decepticon yes. grouping, and there's Starscream, there's Shockwave and Soundwave, and all those cool guys and Rat Bat hanging from the ceiling, and he's like, "All right, cool, good, we did everything right. Here's the whole plan. Let's talk it out and exposition it." Um, <laughs> and the plan is that like they have total control over the ID chips and the Autobots don't. So Right. And they want the Autobots to think that they want the Autobots thinking that the Autobots still have control over what the Decepticons are doing. So um, much so that Ratbat was willing to explode yes, Horrible's head. Yes, he sacrificed one of the Decepticons in order to make Bumblebee think that he still had control over it. And I do want to point out really quickly, the the interesting difference between issue one and issue two is that issue one was, um, I don't want to say fully narrated, but the voiceover we right. get in issue one is Bumblebee. And the voiceover we get in issue two is Starscream. So you get the different viewpoints in either one. And that's part of why when we start into issue two, it follows us into where Skywarp has um, warped to, which is with the Decepticons. Well, and let, let's come back to that at the end of the issue because yeah. it's a pretty big, cool thing that happens. Um, but it, th- this essentially has Starscream being like, okay, this plan ends with me not being on top, so I don't like it. Right. Starscream voices right away the fact that he thinks everybody's dumb for listening to, to rap at, and <laughs> he thinks it's a stupid plan, and he doesn't want to be a part of it. But you're right. It is... Basically, because that's what Starscream's about. Like Starscream, Starscream's looking out for himself. Yeah, he's he's Destro. He's he's trying to, <laughs> you know. Which is funny because Starscream and Cobra Commander had almost the exact same voice <laughs> in <laughs> the first generations. That. Yes. I guess I just assumed Starscream's voice was kind of screechy and weird. Oh yeah, take it. they sounded very very similar. Obviously, I mean they were sure. they were voiced by the same person. So yes, well, he did do it. Yeah. <laughs> and then on the next page here, we get a little bit of Starscream monologuing, and you're right that we do see it from his perspective. But more importantly, we get more of these cool incidental bots. Uh, but forget about what Starscream said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, who cares about the story? I'm really into these sort of just weird dudes filling panels. <laughs> Which, uh, I mean, but they are the robots that you kind of mentioned before that you, that like, this is more how you see robots. Right. I'm, like, when you think of a robot, you think of not necessarily what we get from the Autobots and Decepticons, which is very humanoid. I, I, and maybe I'm getting that well, wrong. I mean, let's, yeah, let's have that conversation because I I like humanoid robots. I like, to me, the Transformers kind of fall in this gap between the things that I like. One of which is, like, very abstract and weird, like, IG-88 to me is a really good example because his head, like, only his whole body only like sort of kind of suggests a humanoid shape. He's very spindly and tall and IG yeah, from Star great. Wars for people who don't know. I'll put a link to him in the show notes. Guy rules. Um, <laughs> and great. He, he has like lights that sort of suggest eyes, but they're very offset and very weird. Mm-hmm. And his head looks yeah. like a canister. And like this guy all the way on the left with a cool neck and the weird frame, like he doesn't look like he could be a human, but he has a humanoid sort of shape. He's sort of abstracted enough. Um, The Transformers in general, like looking at Starscream and looking at like Bumblebee or Metalhawk or Prowl, they, they look more like mechs. They look like Gundams, which is what they are. I mean, that's where they're adopted from is sort of this idea of giant robot anime. Um, which puts the naturally gives them all like sort of very blocky designs, very bulky in a way. Um, and so 
bet- like after the weird abstract robots I really like with like weird TV heads. Like Shockwave, really good example of a weird abstract robot I like just because yes. he has like sort of a non-standard frame, but also this weird head that's just like a uh, kind of an oval or hexagon shape with a single glowing eye in the middle of it totally into that design and then i'm also into like very human looking robots so like androids and these sorts of things (laughs) and my robot feelings are very complicated and don't make a lot of sense but that's all right for some reason the the transformers specifically have not really triggered the the deep immediate emotions that i feel but i'm starting to like the designs and uh I like the art of more than meets the eye, but I'm finding this easier to tell people apart because like metal Hawk and Bumblebee, for example, are different shades of yellow and it's subtle, but it's enough that I'm able to sort of like keep an eye on stuff better. Okay. Uh, Whereas I think Nick Roche is the other artist. He did do the first, um, more than meets the eye. I think he did death. of. He did death of Optimus prime the first more than meets the eye. Yes. And then, um, Alex Milne. Right. Those have a a much more standardized color palette of like, okay, this is what these guys look like. And that's probably more accurate to the source material, but this is giving me a better idea of like, okay, I can tell who this guy is different from this guy because his red is different or something like that. Okay, sure. Um, and I, I think even the Decepticon purple is pretty standardized, but they're, yeah. they're different enough shapes that I'm able to sort of tell them right here. And it is definitely a marriage between how the art works and how the coloration works. Um, right. The different colorists, you know, doing their job. So, you know, there you go. We can do a little shout out to Josh Perez yeah. for doing his, the colors he chooses are helping you out. Yeah, thank um, you, Josh. <laughs> uh, but even, in, uh, I, I think it it is one of those things that I tend to not, consider and i'm glad that you bring that up because of course i feel like for people like me who are so familiar with most of these guys it's not hard um you know we just know who they all are it it isn't difficult and part of that was when we were introduced to a lot of them they had voices like you could kind of also differentiate them between what they were saying how they sounded um i could see it definitely being a little more difficult on a page when you just kind of have to differentiate between them based on still frames I mean, Bumblebee's the chubby one. I like. Yeah, that. he has little little horns. He's a little pudgy. I like. Him. <laughs> I can say it. I'm fat. Uh, so then we have Starscream sort of approaching the Autobots, and them immediately being like, "Get him out!" Yeah, like they are not. We have Sideswipe right away being like, "Oh, do you want me to shoot him?" Yeah. Um, like they're and ready to just take him out. Bumblebee is not in a good mood, and immediately like yeah. shocks the shit out of him. Yeah, he kind of. Yeah, he. I don't want to say electrocute because that would mean he killed him, but uh, yes, he does. Yeah, shock him. him, Yeah, pretty hard. Walking stick. Yes, which he. Yeah, another shout out for Wheeljack. He's like, oh yeah, I need my walking stick. So Wheeljack uh, weaponized it for me. (laughs) And Prowl's response is, I need to talk to Wheeljack, (laughs) which is pretty funny to me. But um... so then we get uh, Prowl approaching. Starscream in a jail cell, more or less. Yes. And so this is where they work out. Like, Starscream's like, okay, here's what's going to happen. Right. He tells Prowl exactly what Ratbat is planning. Right. Um, They're going to assassinate Bumblebee. They're going to blame it on one of the nails. And then Ratbat's going to try and fill the power vacuum. And, of course, Prowl doesn't want to immediately believe him. And he even brings up um, something along the lines of, the last time I trusted you... We all know how that worked out. Right. And I don't know how that worked out. That was, I was not there for that one. That was all Hail Megatron, wherein okay. the Decepticons won. And the Decepticons were just ruling over Earth and doing whatever whatever they wanted. They had exiled the Autobots. Um, at least that's what I assume he's referring to. Because um, that was Starscream, yes, feeding them these, you know, these lies, essentially, to... Um, it was essentially Starscream going to the Autobots and being like, listen, I don't want Megatron in control either. And they believed him. Why? I don't. <laughs> but of course, they turned around and Megatron was like, great job. Let's take over. And that's what they did. So that's what he I assume that's what he is referring to when he says, yeah, the last time we trusted you, 
didn't work out so well. Sure. And and even now he's like, well, why would if if I'm supposed to believe you, what would you be getting out of this? And he's like, just because I don't want Rat Bat to him being high up is bad for me. Yes. Starscream's like, listen, I don't want Rat Bat in charge. That does nothing for me. So right, like he's just and then he's yeah in it for himself. Right. And so we get to what is happening on this page. <laughs> Sometimes, oh, they are, oh, it's Skywarp beating up the nail that um, Horrible was beating up when he got his head blown up. Right. So then we get to uh, the actual speech that Bumblebee's going to give in as a eulogy for the boss that blew up, right? Uh, And Starscream's in the crowd. Somebody's following him. Yes. So as soon as Starscream left the Decepticons, uh, Ratbat was like Longhaul, who is one of the Constructicons. Mm-hmm. Um, they form Devastator. Uh, Ratbat was like Longhaul, follow him, and of course Longhaul did. But here's the thing I love about Decepticons is because Starscream even Starscream knows he's being tailed, um, and as soon as he sees Longhaul, he's like, and Longhaul tells Starscream, "I didn't tell Ratbat that you were with the Autobots." Right. And Starscream's like, "Well, is it because you're on my side, or what are you?" And he's like, "Ah." Right. He's like, I'm still deciding. And that's what I kind of love about Decepticons. Like, they wear, the, they wear their options. Like, he's... Right. I mean, everybody is... There's no loyalty, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Because sure. they sort of just go with whoever has the best idea at the time. Right. Well, and especially now that Megatron's not here. Because sure. that's who they have been following for so long. Um, And just... Because even... And they've said this in the IDW storylines before. It's... Like, Megatron can think so far ahead. Like, he can think so many moves ahead of whatever's about to happen that it makes sense that he's been. Right. They have good reason to follow him. Yes. Whereas Um, now they're sort of like, well, everything's up for grabs. Nobody's ahead of anybody else. Right. So, even though Starscream was Megatron's second in command, they don't automatically default to him as we have seen Ratbat is the one who decided he was going to take up the mantle of speaking for the Decepticons well he was a senator right which is what he is going to keep reminding everybody um and Starscream even points out like and I think he's monologuing it or like it's voiceover but he's essentially saying yeah Ratbat was a senator but that was the same senate that made Megatron right revolt or start this you know rebellion essentially um, it was a corrupt Senate, and so it's like, yeah, congratulations, you were a terrible person. Like, why should anybody be listening to you? Great job. Yeah. Uh, and so we get Bumblebee delivering this very moving eulogy and speech about uniting all these peoples and everything, and the dramatic tension because uh, Skywarp is about to assassinate him. Right, uh, and he has the nail with him. Right. Who he's prepared to frame and kill. Yes. And then Prowl shows up, sort of following what Starscream said. Everything's mm-hmm. going to Starscream's plan so far. Uh, and Prowl it breaks his gun and, like, attacks him. Yes. Uh, and it sure does look like he kills him. He does not. But he okay. does incapacitate him, for sure. Because I think the last thing we see of Skywarp, yes, he's laying there. And he's he's making a sound. He's kind of smoking, but he's not... Okay. He's not offline. Sure. I could probably survive that too. <laughs> but I yes, mean, they, we do. they can survive stuff better. I don't know. Um, and then, so at this point, Ratbat believes, or he wants to know that Bumblebee's dead. And Starscream says, just tell him he's dead. Yeah. And Starscream's like, like Longhall, just, yeah, report yeah. back. Longhall's like, you want me to lie? And he's like, well, we're Decepticons. <laughs> That's a really good line. Yeah. Um, and so at this point, Rat, Bat, and presumably the Decepticons that are in the room with him, although maybe not, because maybe Starscream's talking to them, I don't know. Um, they think Bumblebee's dead, and Rat, Bat is like, okay, I'm going to prepare for this invasion. And then RC shows up out of nowhere and murders him. Murders him, yep. That, I can assume, is like a really cool, like, full-blown death. It's not a, oh, he got shocked. Because she says, I'm not going to kill you. Just kidding, I'm going to kill you. Yeah, no, that's a murder. That one's, yeah, yeah, that one's, that one's keeps. Right. Uh, And so that's sort of the big 
I mean, there's, there's one more beat here, which is that in the middle of this big speech, Starscream is like, you know what? You guys are right. You're going to need a Decepticon <laughs> representative as well. And here I am. Yep. Uh, so, so that presumably was at least the first couple steps of his plan here. Absolutely. Right. As soon as the end of this issue comes around with Starscream being like, oh, Bumblebee, you're so right. <laughs> because as Bumblebee is like, Metalhawk, will you join me in you know ruling together or whatever he says but like you know kind of taking control here together so that the autobots and the unaffiliated bots can work together starscream sees that opportunity and which is what he was waiting for to be like you're right and i want to work with you which is hilarious (laughs) so he wants to essentially infiltrate this like weird system that's been built up whereas red bat wanted to tear it down and yes starscream seems to work better when he can manipulate as opposed to like dealing with pure chaos yes starscream is a fantastic manipulator if you have any questions on that just remember that he has been megatron's second in command throughout most of uh, the entire war So that's that's sort of all the, the story beats in the issue. Going back to what was sort of the biggest question mark for me in issue two, uh, what's the deal with RC? What's what? How does gender work in this world? Well, that's actually a very loaded question, um, okay. especially at the time of this issue. Um, okay, so um, I don't want to. Eh, whatever. Okay. So well, is it is it the something that will be addressed diegetically? Like, does it show up in the story? Well, kind of, but RC in particular, and I actually kind of this is only difficult for me to uh, put into words, uh, just because there's a lot to it. Like I said, it's a loaded question. So RC um, had a spotlight issue, and spotlight issues are issues in the. IDW continuity that will focus on one robot. Sure. And they're... Yeah. Um, So RC's spotlight kind of set up this idea that she wasn't female. And then this other character named Jaxis, who is just this big bad... Like, he's he's a name that's been around, um, Mm. specifically in the comics. Um, He... In her spotlight, Giaxis captures her and, like, forces the female, like, identity onto her. It was... You can imagine a lot of people weren't happy with that. Like, a lot of people were not... That sounds kind of problematic just hearing the summation of it. Yes. So a lot of people really did not like this idea. And it's one of those things where I don't want to completely vilify the writer um simon Furman wrote it and i don't want to vilify him i feel like it was one of those things that just wasn't handled well um because i took it or i didn't take it this way but i could see potentially the idea being that cybertronians used to have like identify as more than one gender and that was what he was trying to bring about again, GXS was, but it just, it wasn't handled well. And the the overarching idea kind of came across as RC went insane because she was so pissed that she was now forced to be a girl. It was just really like, Yikes. it painted, yes, it was, it was kind of messy. And people, so it's a thing that I feel like some readers uh, really don't like it all. And then I feel like a lot of people are indifferent to it. Some people just want to pretend that that never happened. But that's where we kind of get this manic RC. And I don't love manic RC. I really don't. Like, I don't love manic, angry RC. Even when she showed up and killed Ratbat, I was kind of like, oh, geez, we're still doing this. Like, can we just cool it with her? Like, she shouldn't have to be this out of control kind of just rage against the machine kind of mentality all the time. Um, so, I was a little over it, but um, at the same time, I'm glad, you know, she's kicking ass. Like, that's great. But um, but it's still this, you know, this over angry kind of thing. Luckily, and this isn't giving away too much, but kind of further down the this storyline specifically, we do get to kind of retcon that idea that um, okay. that spotlight RC idea. So don't worry, everybody. <laughs> like, I know that sounds awful. Um, and it, it was. Uh, but yes, we well, we I get to stories that, later. Yeah, I know that they introduce just from what you've told me. There's there's other female identifying robots. Yes, right. and it's great. And so that's where I'm like, oh, good. So don't worry. 
It, it's fine. I promise. It'll be okay. If you need to, we can just pretend that Spotlight RC never happened. <laughs> it works so, for me. I don't yeah. know about it. So. But that's, yes, that's why we have one robot in these issues who identifies as a girl or as female and the rest don't. It kind of stems from that idea. Um, well, I'm, I'm excited and terrified to see where it goes. <laughs> well, and luckily, honestly, that's something I feel like I could be wrong. Um, I don't think it comes up again. Uh, or like, I don't think RC's gender specifically becomes a thing in these comics. Like, until the other female identifying robots show up. All right. Well, cool. Um, so we'll, <laughs> the answer is, we'll get to it. Yeah. But yes, so that's the long, drawn-out kind of explanation for RC. Um, but yes, she... That's that's kind of it. Um, I did actually speaking of that same scene, I you said actually earlier in the show um, about Prowl kind of I don't know exactly what it was that you said, but something about him not being corrupt. But in that scene with RC, I kind of want to point out he's kind of corrupt, like in. Well, yeah, when he tells RC, you tried to detain him. Right. And she was like, no. And he's like, you tried to detain him. Right. And she's like, oh, yeah. But then he fought (laughs) back, which is essentially Prowl saying you murdered him like I told you to. But we're going to lie and tell everybody if they ask, which is really corrupt. Like, so it's very thriller story. I mean, it's very like hard weird political drama absolutely so i do think that's where it's so interesting is that we have the the quote-unquote good guys who aren't such good guys all the time and i love that i think that's really important to show yeah and i mean the the idea that the the bad guys have a really good argument for their stuff and they're just yes horrendous at dealing with it yeah yeah pretty much so uh, I think that's that's a, a a good show right there. Do we have anything else we want to put in? I don't know. I didn't know if you had any other questions or. Um... I, I feel like we've addressed most of of what I have here. Okay. So um, yeah, I'm trying to look through my my notes and see if there was anything else I wanted to add. Um, but I I don't think so. I think we touched on all of it. Well, cool. Uh, so then that's episode three. Uh, if anybody wants to, they can go find episodes one and two. If you've already listened to this one without listening to those, may, maybe you made a mistake. But you can go to soundwave, soundwavecast.com, um, and you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash soundwavecast. Uh, probably by the time this episode goes up, we'll have a Tumblr page as well, tumblr.com Ooh, yeah. or soundwavecast.tumblr.com. Um, and if you have any questions, if you're following along too, if you like the show, if you just want to tell us how attractive we are, then mm-hmm. just send us an email, soundwavcast at gmail.com. Or, <laughs> you know, just get in touch. We're not hard people to find. No, not at all. Uh, so let's do it again next week with issues three and four of Robots in Disguise. Perfect. Uh, I'll see you then. Yeah, sounds good. Do we have a closer? Is it Astrobots go up? Oh, no. <laughs> Wasn't it something about the Transformonauts? Transformonauts, that's what it was. <laughs> Transformonauts roll out and up. Or Rise up. Transformonauts, get out there. Transformonauts, get out there and do your do best. <laughs> Transformonauts, just try. <laughs> Transformonauts, make me proud. <laughs> Transformonauts, don't disappoint me again. <laughs> <laughs> your mom and, and I, think... I are watching you, Transformonauts. <laughs> we have this on tape, Transformonauts. <laughs> Everyone's gonna be there, Transformonauts. It started as really supportive, and now it's getting like. Bad. Now we're just yeah, disappointed parents. Poor we're Transformonauts. Transformonauts. <laughs>